Welcome back to Gal on the Go Unplugged. My guest today is Allegra Levy. Allegra is a young jazz vocalist and songwriter. Her musical talents are extraordinary. Allegra was named One to Watch by Jazz Times Magazine, and she was named one of the top 10 rising stars among jazz vocalists by the Downbeat Critics Poll. She has appeared at legendary clubs in New York City, including Jazz Standard, Birdland Theater, Zinc Bar, and more. Welcome to Unplugged, Allegra. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So, Allegra, you are known for having a rare gift as a jazz vocalist for your ability to sing standards and write your own. How long have you been a songwriter and why is that combination of your skill set so unusual in the jazz genre? Um, well, thanks for asking that. I, you know, I've been writing songs, I think, since I was a little, <laughs> um, you know, they they might not have been much in the beginning, but um, I remember I wrote kind of a, a very like uh, sad um pop song about a, a breakup when I was 11 um and I remember some of the some of the lyrics but I I've always been kind of I've always turned to music as a form of catharsis and also just as a form of self-expression yeah I, I think I've always kind of been a songwriter um and I started really crafting my music when I got to college where I studied at the New England Conservatory of Music and I would actually say that you know I don't know if it's as unusual anymore i think everybody is becoming um more interested in in writing and and composing their own work and um there's a lot more individual uh voices out there which are growing everybody kind of wants to do their own thing i think that's great i i think at the time when i was um young and starting out it was rare to hear kind of original music that sounded like the old days um and kind of my spin on it was to have music that was accessible catchy something that anybody could listen to even if they hadn't ever heard jazz before but it had that kind of timeless sound hopefully was the goal but with modern lyrics so that's always been what i've i my goal has been I love that. I love that you were so thoughtful about it, that you didn't just have the passion for it like as yours, but you thought about how like others would feel about it and like, um, you know, the spin that you put on it. Thinking of that, that's really cool. At the end of the day, it is really for everybody and it's a shared experience. So if you're not thinking about your audience, I think you're really missing something. You know, jazz music is rare in this popular culture of today. Um, how did you learn about the genre and come to appreciate it? And who are some of your musical influences? So um, it's funny, I'm my, you know, usually it comes from the family, right? And my, I grew up, my, my dad liked jazz, but my mom was more of like a, a Joni Mitchell, Cat Stevens, Beatles, that kind of generation of music, um, James Taylor. Um, person. And I heard that growing up as well. So that definitely was a big influence for me. But I grew up in a town called uh, West Hartford, Connecticut, which had this legendary jazz program. They started 
the band in like sixth grade. They started the band and choir where they would encourage people to perform jazz and they had kids listening to it and playing it. And there was a big show in our town called Pops and Jazz. And, and this school has led to a lot of people. It's a public school, but it's led to a lot of people um, who are great, who've come out of it, like uh, Brad Meldow, Joel Fromm, um, Erica Von Kleist, uh, Richie Barche, Noah Preminger. There's just a lot of people who are, who are out there who are fantastic, who also had a similar education. My, my older brother started playing saxophone when he was, I think, nine, and Oh, I started listening to, you know, him checking out Charlie Parker and Sonny Rollins and uh, John Coltrane in the other room. And but I was always really drawn to musical theater and also just the vocalists and the great black American vocalists in black American music. So, you know, I think very early on, I was obsessed with Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughn and Betty Carter and. Carmen McRae. And I just, I kind of specifically with Ella, I would just listen to everything that Ella did on repeat forever um, and try to learn all the inflection and all the nuance um, to her, to her sound and her voice. And you did that all independently, like, or was that through the program or you just loved it so much that like outside of the program, you would listen and, you know, it was kind of an obsession and a dream and but I also think there's a lot of musical theater in there too. I listened to all, I was a big musical theater kid too. I don't always talk about that. I actually almost never talk about that, but I was very influenced by musical theater and in terms of musical theater is songwriting, I think. Um, and storytelling through music was also a passion of mine as a kid. And yeah, in that show, through that show and through those teachers surrounding me and encouraging me, I definitely decided to pursue jazz as a career that's a pretty big thing when it influences your your life in a, a in a career standpoint that's a major element it really is it really is and um teachers are really important you know I, I think everybody says it but if there's a certain teacher that I had in high school who kind of geared me away from acting because <laughs> he was so discouraging and there was a teacher who was so encouraging in the jazz scene that I was like, this is great. And you're so easily um, influenced when you're when you're a teenager. And, you know, that encouragement really led to me wanting to pursue this and further. But I also just loved it. I just loved it so much. Yeah, I think with the teachers, it's luck of the draw and timing, you know, um, and it sounds like you got both you know, from that, that's, that, that's so cool. And what now? Okay. I have to ask them, what's your favorite musical? What's, oh my God. <clears throat> oh my God. Hard to say, I think, oh man, the first it kiss me. Kate came to my head when you said that, but I, when you asked that, but I know that I'm going to kick myself later. Cause I think I love kiss me. Kate is a great, great music, but I, well, along the way, if you want to randomly blurt one out, yeah, I want to think more about there's so many good ones, and I'm a secret, um, passionate musical theater nerd. So I'll, I'll I love it. Much. See, we have a big reveal on Unplugged. It's a pretty big reveal. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Just kidding. 
Okay, so, you know, like I mentioned, you played at some iconic clubs, lots of different venues uh, over the last years. Um, so what is your favorite venue that you've performed at? And what would be your dream venue to perform at? It's a little interesting. Um, you know, the venues in New York have had quite a shift. And two of the venues that I played at that I in New York specifically that I love more than anything, definitely the jazz standard. And also there was a small club called Cornelia Street Cafe that used to exist, but both of these places have now closed and it's oh man, heart wrenching that they, they didn't get the support and the pandemic had such an, a horrible effect on live music and, and performance in general and art. Um, there was no support and infrastructure in the U S to really support these, these small organizations, although Cor Cornelia Street Cafe had closed prior to the pandemic but those two places were legendary. They were amazing. And I was so happy to have performed there. And also Birdland was a great, uh, great stage and great feelings. There were just so many legends in that club. Um, and to be there and feel that energy was amazing. But I would say my favorite place to perform ever in my life is that I, I did this gig in Hong Kong when I was 24. Um, I went overseas to do this artist residency there and it changed my whole life. But I also did a bunch of travel and I traveled to Tokyo. I found this club called, um, I think it was called like kind of blue or something. And it was a little off the beaten path in Tokyo. It was in uh, Machita, I think. And I sat in with the band and I just sang a few tunes with the band. It wasn't my gig. It was the best audience I've ever had. And it was the most fun I ever had. It, everything was improvised and, but the audience was so enthusiastic and it just felt like this really amazing shared moment. This energy was just so unique and I'll never forget it. It really, that was my favorite performance of all time, I think. Well, it sounds really cool. And I, I've said it before, I hate to, you know, repeat this, but I'm so for things that are organic. I think everything that happens organically is always, you know, it seems to be really cool. Um, and I think because of that natural aspect to it now, okay. You mentioned the residency though. I'm very intrigued. Can you share a little bit more about the residency and why that was so special and had an impact on you? It had a huge impact on me. It changed my whole life. Um, you know, I think living in New York, you get kind of, New York is huge and amazing, but you get kind of stuck with this idea that there's only New York <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Nothing matters outside of it. And it's just like this crazy bubble. And when I was, I was 24 years old and I got this email about uh, doing some singing jazz overseas in, in Hong Kong uh, at the Four Seasons Hotel, they had a blue bar, this place called the Blue Bar, which was a great spot for, for jazz. And um, I, got, I got the opportunity and I played there twice a week and I could play any music that I wanted with this, this band that was over there. And I was, I took a three month contract and I left everything in New York behind and I just went for it. And, um, it was really, it was really quite an amazing experience. I also met my husband there. And, um, uh. so that really changed my life because <laughs> now we have a baby and we have a whole life together, but you're not joking about life changing, it really was life -changing <laughs> but also it, it just kind of opened my eyes to just how huge and amazing the world is and and also to share jazz you know the fact that there were people who spoke the language of jazz overseas it was so beautiful and amazing to experience that but i mean the music is different 
um, the, you know, the, the books are different. What somebody might know is, is different, but everybody had the same passion. So it's a very cool experience, but it also makes you feel very small and in a good way because there are just so many people there. And I traveled a little into mainland China too. And all around, I went to Thailand and Japan and it really just expanded my worldview in a big way. And, and I, I, I just love to travel and I love to experience music abroad as well. Well, that does sound like it was incredibly influential on you. And um, I'm glad that you had such a positive experience and uh, you know, that's, it's just so cool. (laughs) And I, I agree. I think that's such a beautiful thing too, that you mentioned about like how musical, you know, music is like this thing that just transcends culture and language. And it's, that's such a powerful thing about music in general, you know, it's a universal language at the end of the day. Well, okay. So you, like I had mentioned too, are, are, um, you know, you, you've had a lot of accolades and one includes an award winning the John Lennon songwriters competition, stuck at home edition for your children's song, wash my hands, (laughs) which, which encouraged people to stay safe during the pandemic. Um, can you please sing an excerpt from that song? Absolutely. I a little excerpt for sure. I also just heard that I was a finalist in the um in for children's music in the John Lennon competition this uh past season for 2022. And I was a uh, finalist for the children's song um on my new album that's coming out. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah I was psyched to hear that because um it's a great competition and anything honoring John Lennon is pretty incredible but yeah i could play if that's a badass name to be attached to musically (laughs) i don't know if i deserve it but um and this so this song is um very simple and you got a picture that we were all stuck at home uh, as the content uh dictates and my little niece at the time was 18 months and i was trying to explain to her you know what the importance was of of washing hands (laughs) this is really simple but I'm gonna wash my hands. I'm gonna wash my hands. I'm gonna wash my hands. Wash them well. Um, so that's the chorus. And then there's kind of a whole, uh, the ideas that you would uh, repeat. And at the time it was like, I'm gonna keep six feet when I'm out in the street. But I'll stay off my feet if I feel unwell. So it was just like encouraging kids in a really like nice way and trying to get kids involved. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's beautiful. And considering the subject matter, that's really, uh, I would, I think difficult props to you for pulling off, you know, and it was such a scary time, I think, for kids. Like, what a cool gift to give them in terms of that song, because it's, you know, like a joyful way of um, sharing something that's not so fun and kind of scary. Yeah, and I I was also often like really not, I heard there are a lot of Wash My Hands songs if you look them up, but I was trying to do something just kind of like nice and sweet and um, more like a song than just like a, a list of, you know, wash your hands for 20 seconds. 
directions. Um, <laughs> yeah. are, we're helpful too in, in all, and you know, we were just trying to get through such a difficult time. So I'd say mission accomplished thank with you, that thank one. You very much. <laughs> Your latest album is Steeplechase, Lose My Number, Allegro sings John McNeil featuring your lyrics uniquely set to tunes of renowned jazz trumpeter John McNeil. How did that concept or project come about? Could you share that with us? Yeah, of course. Um, so that album came out, <laughs> funny enough, that album came out in the, the spring of her spring of 2020, I believe it was right at the beginning of pandemic time. That project was long in the making. I, I met John McNeil at New England Conservatory, where at the time he was he was a very strong influence on me and my music. And he was also a mentor um, to me then. And I started writing lyrics to a couple of his songs because I thought the melodies were so intriguing. I love, I love to write music and lyrics together. Often when I when I'm writing, I get an idea kind of together. So like for wash my hands, it, I heard that melody with that, with those lyrics at the same time, just kind of, it's kind of a weird <laughs> thing when it happens. And then I work it out after that point, but I was really wanting to challenge myself always. And I'm always trying to challenge myself to write lyrics to a different melody or to write a melody to somebody else's lyrics, just to strengthen my skills. And it was really hard with John's music, but it was really it was such a great experience and his music is so special and, and um, interesting and complex, but also he has some very simple melodies that are beautiful and he had such a huge book and not that many, I, you know, I don't know how many people are familiar with John McNeil's music, but he, he is a great trumpet player and he toured with um, John uh, Thad Jones and the Lewis orchestra back in the day. And he, you know, he just has this really amazing career and, I wanted to bring more light to it if possible. And I also wanted to get into his head a little bit, not too far into his head because he's got a lot going on in there, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that, so I started writing those lyrics. He produced my first two albums, um, Lonely City and Cities Between Us uh, on Steeplechase. So I wanted to do a big project that would really be collaborative with him. And how did that come about then? Like, did you reach out to him? That's pretty cool that you admired him and then got to work with him. Yeah. I mean, we've, he's almost like a, he's like my jazz uncle. I feel like, <laughs> Oh wow! so we, we sat, you know, I asked him if I could do this and, and we sat at a table and we went through, I went through recordings. I listened to everything that I could imagine that would work with lyrics. Some of the things I thought would work some I thought wouldn't work and I tried a lot of different scenarios um and then I also interviewed him extensively and asked him to tell me the stories of of how he wrote the songs because some of them I I heard right away and I was like oh yeah this is a story I have a story about this song this melody speaks to me directly and then some of the songs I felt like oh man there's a story behind this I gotta know what it is and I really wanted to honor him and his process too. You know, it really has to be a collaboration if it was going to sound like it was meant to be and meant to be together. And some of those songs, some of those stories are really simple and some of them are really deep. So yeah, I, I, I put that together. It took us a lot of time and a lot of, sometimes I told him a lyric and he was like, this sucks. 
well, I guess I, you know, you, very blatant, yeah, very blunt, very blunt, and very. Um, but you know, that's helpful in the process to to make sure that your writers really um, respect each other and and the process. And he's he's always been hard on me, but um, also very supportive and encouraging throughout my career. So. Um, I wouldn't be anywhere without him. So now what's one of the biggest surprises that came out of it? Was it an interpretation of one of his songs and the meaning behind one or something? I mean, I think I understood him more as a person um, through the process, I think. And also, but the other thing that I did, which was kind of unusual, I think is I decided to use a an all women's band, not only because they were all women, but also because they were my favorite, some of my favorite musicians. Um, and I just thought it would be really cool to apply some of these. He he's always been um, an advocate for change himself, and I am very um, one cause that I really am um, enthusiastic and passionate about is you know making an equal playing field in jazz for women. And um, just women's women's equality in general and, and womenism. And I so I thought it would be cool to some of the stories just seem to lend themselves to some kind of uh, womanist rant <laughs> in some ways. And, you know, yeah, I mean, he's I think it really worked for his music, a couple of the things and just this powerhouse trio of Carmen Stoff and Carmen Rothwell on bass and. Um, Colleen Clark on drums and the the four of us in in that recording studio that day was it was just like a really magical unbelievable session it was one of the best sessions I've had and yeah so one of the surprising stories that he told me was just I would say that you know he was really young and he wanted to um, he was hoping to buy like a nice piece of jewelry for his partner at the time but he was a struggling musician and he was like trying to get things going and he passed by Tiffany's um, on Fifth Avenue and he was just feeling really like morose about the fact that he would never be able to, he felt that he would never be able to afford something like that. And is this like really, he was just telling me this story and it was just like so heart wrenching and beautiful. And so that is the inspiration for one of the tracks that's called Tiffany. And you wouldn't know that from the song, but then I love that behind the music. <laughs> yeah, when you when read the lyrics, you're like, oh man, that's a cool story. You know, that's like it's really a human story. That's cool that you formed that relationship with him then. So you did have the understanding and that and it's so um wonderful that the intern had influenced you and you were able to like, you know, share it with others. Yeah, I really hope I would love to play that music out more because because of the pandemic, I didn't get to I only performed it a, um, three times live. So, wow, it's kind of it's one of those projects that I, I would like to spend more time trying to get out there because there was a lot of effort into it. And I think it was it's a it's a cool it's a cool collaboration. So that's one of my goals <laughs> to try to keep playing it a little bit. I say go for it. Look out 2023, 2024. It's good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. sure. Okay. So, you know, as I mentioned, you have had some amazing honors and one of them includes, um, you know, in 2019, um, your composition Man in the Moon from the short film Astronaut Hour. You know, you wrote the entire score, which is just incredible. 
and you won best original song in the international independent film award competition that is just um so admirable and cool can you tell us about that song and what it was like to win that award that song is a great story basically one of my very best friends and i'm going to be um her maid or matron of honor in her wedding uh, this fall. So I'm very excited. Leslie Gautier, she wrote this film astronaut hour and it's a short film. It's, it's really funny and sweet and it's great. And I remember she called me up and she was like, I've got this problem. I, I was going to do this whole dance at the end of the film to fly me to the moon where she literally does a dance with the astronaut in the show. And she's like, I can't, I can't do use fly me to the moon. There's no way the rights it's tricky. Like I can't, can you write something that sounds like it, but isn't it? And we were laughing about it and I was like, ha ha ha. There's no way that's like the most iconic song ever. <laughs> fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars. I mean, it's like, come on, like <laughs> who I was like, oh man, there's no way. And then I sat down and I wrote this little song and I, I don't, I wouldn't compare it to fly me to the moon, but it's close uh, in terms of the vibe, I think. And, and then she let me really have creative, um, creative authority over whatever I wanted to do for the rest of the tunes. And I worked with my bass player, Timothy Norton on, it was a very like, we were recording, I think at the time we were recording on like garage band or something. It's just like a very, very simple, um, very low tech scenario. And just putting together songs and sounds and I want to do more of that. It was so fun. But I think the best part about that project and and also that fun song, which I actually have never released as a as a single. I'm, that's something I would like to do. But oh, you have to do it. Yeah. I. But you could definitely check out the film. It's like eight minutes long. So it's it's really worth watching the whole thing. I think one of the best things is that Leslie and I, whenever we get together, we are just the synergy and the energy and the the creative process is just like explosive. And we grew up together. We were best friends from forever. And um, so that's a really great relationship that I'm lucky to have. And she's always inspired me. And I just, I really loved working on that because I felt like uh, we could really collaborate as, as, you know, one kind of creative entity. So well, I would say for something that was like, you know, not meant to be like a purposeful project that it just came to be too. again, you know, to have that much success with it, that's pretty incredible. And I was very honored, super surprised <laughs> honestly. for just a throwing it together thing, you know? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> I wonder if that like history between the two of you though, like in that probably comfort was contributing to the fact that like you knew where she was coming from. She knew where you were coming from creatively and um you know i mean correct me if i'm wrong but maybe that's why like the blending on that project worked out so well you know absolutely and we talk about how we want to do so many things together in the future and maybe even write a musical someday <laughs> and uh maybe down the pike we've been talking about that for our whole lives but um hey it you put it out there it could come full circle that's what the base was that you know your passion grew from so I'd be at that musical. 
Thank you. I'll let you know when we write it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. So in addition to everything else that you're doing, like, you know, uh, you are also a member of Women in Jazz organization, which is a collective of over 500 professional performing jazz musicians. Um, how did you get involved in that organization and why? Like, what does it mean to you? Oh man, everything. So I joined the leadership team of WeJo, Women in Jazz Organization, uh, in February of 2020, which is myself, the founder, Roxy Koss, and Tahira Clayton, who's the vice president. They're great jazz musicians. Roxy is an incredible saxophonist. Uh, Tahira is a beautiful vocalist, just such an amazing vocalist and and also um, performer and everything. I've been involved with Weijo since the beginning. I was at the first, basically, in response to kind of the Trump era of, uh, not to get too political here, but um, in response to the uh, issues that were in the media regarding um, women's rights and women's equality and another wave of, of womanism and feminism kind of hit the ground with the Me Too movement. And Roxy decided, like, this is so rampant. This, there's so many issues in jazz with women in jazz not having equal opportunities. Let's all meet and talk about it. And so at first, we just went to a meeting at the local 802 Musicians Union in New York City. And I remember I paid the fee on the room for, for the meeting. I don't know. It was maybe it was like 20 bucks or something, but... It was kind of a crazy room full of all sorts of incredible musicians. One of my best friends, Aubrey Johnson, who's a great vocalist, was was really integral to the um, beginning of this as well. And so we were kind of talking about what we could do. And we all just sat around and kind of told our stories. And um, there were a lot of stories, <laughs> a lot of stories and a lot of hope to build a community. And so that started in 2017, and it has grown exponentially since then. Um, for a while, it was a membership organization, but now we're kind of switching gears to be more of a arts advocacy organization, really, because that's really at the heart of what it is, trying to advocate for change, equality, create opportunities for women, support the community. One of the things that came for me is that I met other women, and I was like, oh, we shouldn't be in competition for each with each other. We should be hiring each other. And it has led to some of the more meaningful uh, musical relationships that I've had in my life. My relationships with, with Roxy and Tahira has, has been unique and, and particularly inspiring. So yeah, we have this incredible community. We have a mentorship program where we're trying to, trying to support um, young women in college who like us, they are reaching out because they don't have a lot of women teachers or women inspiration, um, and they're kind of on their own in these programs. It's an, it's unbelievable how few women there are in the programs. And so we try to create a network and a support system, and we hope to have festivals, and we have so many big dreams, and we finally got uh, nonprofit status uh, this past year. Oh, wow. Congratulations, because that's huge. It was tricky and it's a lot of work, but it really is a, a labor of, of uh, love, I suppose. And just trying to make change because I think the, the music itself is truly enriched when you have different perspectives, you know, and 
sadly, you know, after the pandemic, I know I've mentioned that a lot, I guess I'm thinking about it lately, but in the three years and, you know, anniversary of it all, there was some movement and some commotion happening where people were talking about this and changing their hiring practices a little bit and, you know, trying to make some positive change. But after the pandemic, I feel like I look on Instagram or Facebook and I see all the white guys hiring all their white friends and, um, you know, not, and they're just men and it's just kind of this bro-y thing that happens. And I just, yeah, Weijo is trying to change all that and trying to make um, a richer art form. I love that. So is this then, I, I, I think I know the answer, but is this probably a lifelong project of yours? Like, do you hope to just continue this until because it seems like you're so um, immersed and um, passionate about it. Yeah, I mean, I think unfortunately, it will. It's a long-term project. You know, I don't. I would love to not uh, have work to do in that field. Honestly, I would love for to look around and just see lots of diversity and lots of equality. Um, but I, I, I don't see it. So I think, and I don't feel it. So I think until I feel like it's more level. And I think all these things, I think with diversity, equity, and inclusion, we have to continue to work at it. I don't think it's unfortunately something that we just have uh, abundance of. So yeah, I think it's a lifelong project. Um, but I think we're growing slowly and hopefully more people will learn about us and, and want to contribute and, and um, participate in the conversation. Now, you have a little girl, correct? Yes, I do. <laughs> I think it's just amazing that, you know, the things you're doing to set up generations to come, you know, um, and what a cool role model. Does she have an interest at all in jazz music or music in general, like based on what she's exposed to at home? And Yeah, I mean, so she's going to be two in a few weeks. So she's Aww. very small. <laughs> um, she is just amazing. Stella is her name. And she is always singing and making up alternative lyrics to whatever <laughs> <laughs> nursery rhyme or um, song that she's heard. She's just always singing, which is so great. I mean, I really love it. But I think it's also because I've always said that, you know, music in the home should be a family shared experience. It shouldn't just be like, here's the adult music and here are the kids music. And it should just be like, everybody has the music on and we're all listening it together. And if you go to a music class with your kid, it's really important that you're singing. And if they see you singing, then they'll sing and they'll put music in their bodies. So yeah, I have this amazing little girl and uh, I wrote an entire album for her. <laughs> so that's the big project that's about to come out. Um, uh, hey, you know, some people are lucky to get a song. She gets an entire album. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. She gets an entire album um, for her second birthday. I I'll get her other things, too. Because <laughs> I don't know if she'll appreciate it. Really. Well, the album might be appreciated years from now, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, because like sometimes I'll play her a tune or two and she'll just be like, baby shark. <laughs> <laughs> oh no i want to get away from baby shark no so yeah I, I wrote this album it's called songs for you and me and it's coming out on her second birthday april 7th which is 
rapidly approaching unbelievably i love that title that's so sweet thank you yeah i it was hard to come up with the title i had a lot of um boards with <laughs> different things crossed out but it really that was the point of the record is that it was for both both of us it was for all of us the goal behind it was to create music that could be a family shared experience and and not just you know these many nursery rhymes that have kind of a complicated history that we don't really investigate uh, before we continue to teach it in our homes and in our uh, vernacular as a society. And I think it's so important to create new new music for, for our future generations that considers diversity, equity, inclusion, and um, creativity. And so that's what I tried to do with this record. Um, but it's also, it's got some funny, silly stuff and it's got some, you know, not so funny, silly stuff, but it's it's really, the goal is to to make it a family experience, so. I love that. And you're right, you know, like, uh, you know, my generation, especially we we had these songs, you know, you, you hear the songs and you're like, oh, the the sound of it is so pretty. But as you become uh, an adult, you know, and you start to understand the lyrics, you're like, what? Those lyrics are messed up. Like who teaches a child songs with those lyrics? So I'm so yeah. glad like that they've been changing as time goes on to like what is more appropriate you know well a lot of things haven't changed and a lot of people don't know the history behind a lot of these songs and when i started to look it up i was like you know yes we do have to acknowledge that those songs existed and what they mean and we have to teach them in a different context like this is how racism survives for so long because we're still teaching nursery rhymes that are from the jim crow era like this is how it it grabs hold of a society through our music, through our culture, right? So the only way to combat that, the only anti-racist thing I that I, you know, I'm not an expert, but um, is I think to create the new culture and to create a new soundtrack for our youth. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> oh, I love that because I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why I respect your field so much and have such a deep appreciation for music because i think um i don't know if it was being exposed to it young in life or what but it it is such a rich cultural thing that i think it keeps your um gives you more of an open-minded mentality you know and it, it really is good for people like across the board to hear different things and you know i, I think things that are positive though too you know closure is the real thing you know that's the I think that's the key and you know like i like i listened to jazz starting when i was like six years old you know that's and if if you're not listening to that stuff when you're really young then it, it's a little harder to grab onto i think especially because our our pop music is really not in that direction anymore although i don't know sometimes i hear a billy eilish song and i'm like that's a jazz tune <laughs> you know <laughs> The underline of it, you're like, yeah, really yeah. can be. My uh... friend um, Aubrey Johnson actually recorded one of hers. She's a jazz singer, and she recorded a Billie Eilish tune on her recent jazz record. And I, so I was saying to her, I was like, Billie Eilish is actually a jazz singer secretly. Um, <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. Anyway, not not to divert. Now, okay, what um, you know, given all the elements and aspects of music, what is your favorite aspect of being a professional musician? You know, there's the writing involved, touring, collaborating, recording. Um, what's your favorite element, or you know, collectively, a few of your favorite 
things? Um, I love the collaboration for sure. I mean, I, I think the reason why jazz is so exciting to me is because you come with, you know, let's say I write a tune and I come with kind of some ideas and a lead sheet with some harmonic ideas and lyrics and a melody, but really it belongs to the group that's playing it, you know, and, and it becomes this kind of shared moment in the moment experience. Um, that's unlike any other. So I love that collaborative effort. I love, I really love sharing all of that. I, during the pandemic, I, you know, you really find that you, you couldn't really play with other people. And that was the most clear thing to me that I was like, I really love to collaborate. <laughs> I love to work with other people. I love to sing with other people. I love to play with other people. And that's so integral to the music process and why it's so special. It's a great way to connect with a complete stranger, you know, <laughs> in a way that you, the most human way possible. But Besides for that, I really have found over the years that I love recording. I just, I, and I also, I've kind of have a mind to maybe do more producing in the future. Cause I, I really just love sitting in the studio and coming up with ideas and listening back and creating these kind of forever moments you can just listen back to, which is sometimes really awful if you <laughs> messed up a track or listening to my first CD that I put out when I was 18, which is terrible. And please, nobody ever listened to it. But like, <laughs> oh, but at the time, I bet you thought it was awesome. I, I, you, you were proud of it, I bet. I was so proud of it but, it, it. but it's amazing how it cements these moments in history and in your life and and how it evokes such such emotion and how it'll evoke a totally different emotion for a different person. But I, I do love recording a lot and I love collaborating and I also love writing and those are all the things. They're all the things. I also, I do love performing. I have to say, I'm going to get real and just say that like, since I've become a mom, it's been really hard to get back out there and perform as often as I'd like to. It's hard to be on the scene. It's hard to stay out late. It's hard to kind of gain that confidence, you know, your body has changed so much and everything's changed and my voice had some struggles when I was pregnant and coming off of pregnancy, hormonal changes. Anyway, you don't need to hear all that, but no, I appreciate like the rawness, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really hard to be, um, in this industry as a, as a mother and in any industry as a working person, as a mother, it's really hard and it's really real. And I have to, I want to be out there performing more is what I would really like to do, but it's definitely more of a struggle since I had Stella. So Hopefully it'll, that'll change as she gets older, but, um, it's, uh, definitely a labor, it's definitely a labor. <laughs> now, okay. Given that and you loving to work in the studio, then do you have a home studio that you could work at to try and make it ha work with your schedule? Or do you go somewhere that's like a special, you know, regular studio that you like to record in and you always have, or. I, I'm, I mean, I've always loved, I don't have a space right now for myself. I live in a one bedroom apartment in New York city, <laughs> so I don't get a lot of space myself and my, I made my music room into her, uh, her nursery. So oh, sacrifice, <laughs> sacrifice, man. But, um, I love, uh, I just recorded the children's album at the bunker studio with this great engineer, Nolan Thies. He's amazing. And, um, that was a great experience. I also 
work a lot with um, Michael Perez's Neros and this producer, um, Judd Silver. And sometimes I'll just like record some ideas and I'll send it over to them. And then we just kind of work back and forth that way. So right now, voice memos is my main way to kind of get <laughs> back together. But wherever I can, I, you know, try to continue to create new music. And um, yeah, so that's that's where I'm at. But I will be performing, though, actually, on Mother's Day. Um, I have a show coming up on Mother's Day that is the CD release of Songs for You and Me. And it's at this um, historic. What a great launch day for that album. Oh, my God. Perfect. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, it's at the Third Street Music School, which is this, like, very historic music school that has this beautiful recital hall in um, New York City on the Lower East Side. And I'm going to have like a 13 person band up there and it's going to be crazy. And it's an all ages show. Um, and it's really for, you know, families and um, it's going to have some big band sound and some, you know, folksy sounds and it'll be, it'll be really nice. So I'm excited about that. Well, to all the unplugged listeners in the New York city area, I would say you have to go check that out. That just sounds like a, a incredibly like positive, like fun event. Yeah. I hope people come out and enjoy. So that's, that's my goal. Very cool. What projects do you have besides that, that are coming up? Anything else that you'd like to share with unplugged listeners or the album release? That's actually a really big deal. So yeah, so the album the album drops April 7th, as I said. I'd love everybody to listen to that. Um, Songs for You and Me, it's going to be available everywhere. I also have created some physical CD copies if anybody even uses what or <laughs> posters or as, um, you know, just uh, table art or something like that. Because I know, table I know CD, CDs have become kind of obsolete, unfortunately. But I, I still think CDs are important because they have the track listings and they have the personnel on the record. And that's so important to know who's playing, but um, yeah, that's my big project right now that I'm promoting and that I'm excited about. And then I'm probably going to be back in the studio in the, in the fall. It sounds like with something else, but I also want to do, I have this dream to do a, a big band project with all moms. Oh, cool. That's a dream and it hasn't happened yet, but I'll let you know when it does, but that is, that's down the pike, uh, hopefully as well. And, um, but yeah, songs for you and me is the big thing. And I just released the animated, one of the animated videos for one of the songs, um, which is up on YouTube. It's called Los Animales and it's in Spanish and English and just a fun little groove. Um, but it's a cute animation that features my daughter kind of, and her bunny. So, ah. Uh what's the youtube channel for people to check it out allegra levy jazz is what the youtube channel is yeah so that's but before you go you know i gotta do this because your voice is so stunning would you please sing part of one of your favorite songs for us oh uh, sure thank you i would love to um i'm gonna do this is kind of silly but everybody kind of likes this one um so this one is uh called noodles Noodles, oodles of noodly noodles, oodles of noodly noodles, noodles all over the floor. I made a bowl of macaroni. I made a bowl of what? Macaroni. Did 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 baloney. I made a bowl of macaroni. It's not cheesy, it's a phony. Noodles all over the floor. 
Noodles, oodles of noodles, noodles, oodles and noodles, 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 noodles all over the floor. Please let me have some more. Yay! <laughs> oh, it's such a goofy song, but um, no, it's so joyful and like your voice seriously is so beautiful it, it it's i think such a gift to be able to sing lyrics that are like silly joyful and they just sound beautiful <laughs> like there are a lot of those songs they're just like came right out and and um they're just fun to share with everybody so i wanted to like laugh in the joy of it but i i was very reserved so that i wouldn't cover over your your, <laughs> your singing <laughs> Thank you again for your time today. I really appreciate it. To learn more about Allegra, listen to her songs, and check out her performance dates, go to her IG page at Allegra Jazz and visit her website at www.allegralevy.com. Thank you for taking the time to unplug with me today, Allegra. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy to talk to you. Aw, thank you. And to my listeners, remember, be curious, be kind, and be bold.